0: Good morning, and thanks so much for joining us. Whether you're at our Latham campus, where we have Matt Saxon as our campus pastor, or if you're at Half Moon, we have Tim Gardner as our campus pastor. If you're up at Saratoga, that's where I get the joy of being a campus pastor. If you're joining us online today, and you have... Comments, questions, joys, sorrows, anything, you can point them to Tim Kong, our director of central operations, and he would love to be able to interact with you. But we all love serving in the roles that we are in and being able to come to this time of studying God's word here together. And so some people, as you come to this time, you may have an idea of what a sermon consists of. And you may come to this time thinking it's going to look a certain way based on your experiences and things like that. And that's honestly what this series has been about. We've been looking at misconceptions and what that means. And so today... We're going to be finishing this series called Fan Fiction that we've been in over the last four weeks. And if you're unfamiliar with the term fan fiction, it is this idea of something that's written, fiction that's written by a fan of or featuring characters from a particular TV series, movie, or book. And in our case, we've been talking about that related to the Bible and how even... Tim mentioned last week how this isn't with the authority necessarily of the author, but it's things that have come about that from that. So in our case, as we're looking at the Bible, we've been looking at just some different phrases, some different things. So let me just real quickly to refresh everybody, I'm going to walk us back through. In week one, Pastor Tim Gardner talked about and answered this question, does a godly home Guarantee godly kids. He looked at Proverbs 22 6 and talked about this verse you know, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll not depart from it. But made the key point that Proverbs are not promises, but rather statements that we can look to. So that doesn't guarantee that our lives and our kids will grow up and just follow everything the way that they should. And it also means that we shouldn't feel shame or guilt necessarily and how that we truly need a godly community to help us along this journey. And then in week two, Pastor Matt, you went into and answered this question of And really a phrase of God will never let me down. And answer, does God ever let us down? You looked at Lazarus and how, you know, he died. And there was this reality that people had expectations and were really kind of taken off guard. But then talked about how God is so much bigger than what we can fathom. And we have these moments of, questioning and wondering and thinking, God has maybe let me down that you you focused on or said a few things of how, you know, we have to remember that we can look at the, maybe the bullets that we've dodged, you know, these scenarios that we look at and we can give thanks for the good things and then how we can ultimately go to God with our complaints and also with our worship, even when it is hard. Then in week three, I got the joy to jump in and answer this question. Does God help those who help themselves. You see, this is one of those phrases that's most often quoted as a Bible verse. God helps those who help themselves. And I really just walked through how we recognize that God helps those who recognize their need for help and that they're saved by faith. And then how we're all called to continued service. We looked at Ephesians 2 during that week. And then this last week, Tim Kong shared with us and answered this question, does God only speak to the godly. And you really walk through how that is a misconception and is an understanding that is not true, that God speaks in a variety, different variety of ways. And we can all lean into listening to him. And I want to quote just something that you said last week. You talked about how hearing from God has more to do with our availability than our ability and how we need to be available to God's word, God's guide, God's people, and God's Heart. So with all this, we come to today. And we want to do a couple things. As I mentioned, this feels a little different than a normal Sunday morning and a normal preaching time, but we want to take a few moments to kind of answer some questions that come with each of these topics. And then kind of as Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So we want to take this time to really engage with these messages again. So I want to take us back. Take us back to week one with Tim Gardner, and you talked about how parents and, you know, can sometimes feel guilt or shame, or you say, I've done everything that I can, and things didn't go like I thought, and I'm just still really wrestling through this. So maybe the follow-up question is, can we have any sort of guarantee? Is there a hope that we can look to, or are we kind of just rolling the dice when it comes to parenting and hoping for the best? So let's kick it off with that one.
1: Yeah, thanks. No, that's a good question. And if I'm understanding, if I'm understanding the question correctly, you're kind of asking, um, should we still continue to raise our kids to, to try to respond to God and his gospel? Or because the Proverbs aren't promises, are we just kind of giving up hope and leaving it to fate and rolling the dice? Um, I, I love that question. And like you said, I taught on Proverbs 22.6. I want to just read that again for us because it's short and it kind of just refreshes it for us today. It was over almost a month ago that we did this message, so I want to just make sure that we're fresh on it. Proverbs 22, six says, start children off in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. And we talked about this idea that while that's a proverb, it's not a promise. And ever since that sermon, I have been talking to a number of parents specifically parents of kids who have grown up uh, and have left home but also left the church and left faith and they have been experiencing this underlying sense of guilt or shame as parents thinking that they had something they they it's their responsibility that their kids are no longer walking with god and what they heard in that sermon was that this proverb is not a promise It does not mean that they have failed. Uh, They probably did the best they could. Um, And they kind of feel like this weight of guilt off of their shoulders, which is awesome. In fact, they heard that since even rebellion can happen in the Garden of Eden, it can happen anywhere. And that is huge for people to realize. Uh, But I hope we understand this. Even though that Proverbs are not promises, they're still the word of God. It's still God's word revealed to us. It's useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training, as Paul points out in Second Timothy. So Proverbs aren't promises, but they are God-inspired wisdom. And being God-inspired wisdom that Solomon wrote down for us today, it means that raising kids in a God-centered, Christ-focused home is wise. It is smart. It is a good thing to do. In fact, if we are Christians, if we look to God's word as our authority, it's not just a wise thing to raise kids in a home that points them to the gospel. It's something that we need to do. I love Deuteronomy chapter six, verses six and seven. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down, and when you get up. Uh, One study of Christian parents has seen that 85% of parents who have kids under the age of 13 believe that they do have a primary responsibility when it comes to their children's spiritual development. But fewer than 10% of those parents are actually reading the Bible, praying together with their kids, serving together as a family. So it's it's our job as parents. It's a wise thing to do. It's something that scripture in, in a variety of places says that we need to do to make sure that we're pointing our kids to the gospel, po- make sure that we're modeling and teaching our kids what it means to be loved by God and to love God. And, and so kind of to answer your question, is it something that gives us hope? Should we engage in it and is there going to be potentially good outcomes yeah, it's something that is wise, it's something that we need to do, and if parents understand and actually lean into their responsibility as parents to model and teach, and if the church family comes alongside them and and helps families and parents to hold on to the gospel, we see in study after study an exponential reality of kids who are holding on to faith through high school, after high school, and beyond. So, there is hope. It's not just a roll of the dice. There is something that we can hold on to, but it's not a guarantee. And that's, I guess that's where we went on uh, July 3rd, it was. Um, And I love that even though it's not a guarantee, there's one verse that I kind of point parents to over and over again that I hold on to as a parent myself. I think it's the best parenting verse in the Bible, and it doesn't use the word parent. It doesn't use the word family or children. It's found in Philippians chapter four, verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in your parenting even, uh, in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So we can't parent in a constant state of worry. We're called to do what, we're, what we need to do, teach, model, train, raise up. And we do that, and then we pray a lot.
0: Yeah.
2: So Tim, you have two young children in the house. How does the uh, Gardner family honor Christ with the, their parenting?
1: Yeah, three words. Huh? Bean bag time. That's what we call our time each day at the end okay. of the day when we get together right before bedtime and read God's word together as a family. It's called bean bag time because my kids have bean bags. And they plop down on them and they just kind of like spread out and we read God's word together. But let me tell you, the beanbags are really comfortable. Mm. And I try to beat my son to his and he could just like, he can go to his bed. It's fine. Yeah. It's comfortable. But uh, these, this beanbag time is huge in our family. And we're really taking Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six to heart, where it says, these commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts mm. and impress them onto your children. Talk about them when you sit at your beanbag or when you sit at your home. <laughs> yeah. um, we yeah. read verses together. We do devos together. Whether we're walking through a book or a book of the Bible, mm. right now we're actually reading the uh, Book of Esther and we're acting it out with little paper characters. And my kids get to act it out as I read as the narrator, and it's a lot of fun. We've created beanbag time in our family. But Deuteronomy six also says, "Talk about them when you walk along the road." Mm. And so. We like to hike. In my family, we go on hikes on a regular basis, and we will choose a verse before we leave the house, and we try to memorize that verse while we're hiking. Mm. So just kind of entering faith conversations into everyday things that we do is huge. And I think the most important thing as a parent is to be willing to put down your phone and be present with your kids. We're so distracted. We're so distracted in our world, and when we decide to put down our phones... Uh, and, and really be aware and present when our kids have faith questions, when they, when they are struggling with to understand something, we need to be fully present with them. And when we do that, we see a lot of fruit come out of our conversations. Yeah. What about you guys? I, have th- I think I have the youngest kids on average among this group. So what do you
2: guys do? Well, as the one with the two oldest kids on average in this group, uh, one way we honor Christ in our family is going by Romans 12.10. And I love this verse of just how it interacts with, how I interact with my wife, interact with my kids, or frankly interacting with others. So here's what Romans twelve ten says. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourself, right? So whatever I do every day, I have to think, right, how can I be devoted to my wife, right? And how can I honor her above myself, you know? that looks like a lot of different ways in our everyday life. So some examples, right? How do I honor my wife? Well, honor could be simply as whenever I speak about her publicly, right? I'll speak praises about her, speak very positively about her. Another way of honoring her is simply if she's had a long day at work, I could come home and bring dinner for the family. But we also use Romans 12, 10 when it comes to our kids, right? How do we honor our kids? And that can look like um, when we have family decisions, bringing them in and, and honoring them that way. Or just a simple everyday practicalness uh, is before we post a picture on social media, we ask them, hey, can we post this picture of you on social media? That is a way of honoring them. So the question that we need to ask ourselves in our family is how are we showing devotion to each other and how are we honoring each other in everyday life? Matt, what about your family? How do you guys honor Christ in your life?
3: Yeah, well, I appreciate so much about what you both have said, and Tim, something that stuck out to me from your sermon several weeks back was instead of asking your kids what they learned at church, sharing what you gleaned from a sermon or some experience or encounter at church, I think that was really helpful, Uh, and we've been integrating that a little bit more into the Saxon conversation uh, as we drive home on Sunday. My girls have uh, different ages. We have three different daughters, and there's about a six-year spread from our oldest to our youngest So this has looked a little different at different seasons, how our family devotions have kind of looked. Um, At times, we've simply gone on YouTube and put on the so-and-so show. If you don't know about the so-and-so show, if you want to spend 10 or 12 minutes and kind of have some fun and have some scripture and kind of an opportunity to have discussion, just go on YouTube and Google so-and-so show. You can find a bunch of different 10, 12-minute episodes. Oftentimes, we've done that in the past. Sometimes we've done things like uh, with the U version just read the verse of the day. Occasionally we watch the commentary on the verse of the day, but full disclosure, those are hit or miss from my perspective, but sometimes just simply reading the verse of the day and having a little discussion has been helpful. Something we've done lately that's a bit unusual is on YouTube, you can google something called street lights. And street lights are basically a chapter of scripture that's being read and in the background there's sort of this lo-fi hip hop beat. And it kind of just carries a little bit of that chapter forward for children. So sometimes we'll simply listen to a streetlights, you know, Psalm 2, Psalm 3, Psalm 4, maybe have a little discussion around that. One other fun thing that's kind of becoming a tradition leading up to Easter is my favorite uh, Jesus film is Jesus of Nazareth, which is from the 70s. It's this Franco Zeffirelli film, and it's actually really well done. It's something like six hours long because I think it was made for TV originally. But what we'll do is for a few months or so or a few weeks leading up to Easter, we'll watch 15 or 20 minute chunks of that each night. And you kind of have everything from the birth of Christ to his crucifixion and resurrection. I think the bottom line is you want to be flexible. You want to try different approaches and you want to find something that's actually doable and workable. And those are some of the things that we've uh, found to be
1: helpful in the past few years. Yeah, that's great. Thanks guys for sharing. Um as we continue to talk today, I, I want to make sure that we get off of the subject of parenting because that was just one of the four sermons over the last month. Um, so Isaac, I, I want to turn the attention to you. You were the, the, the second message or uh, actually the third message, and you kind of debunked the fan fiction of God helps those who help themselves, and you actually said that God helps those who admit or... Uh, admit their need or recognize their need for help? I, I kind of jotted down this question for you because I'm i wondering, how do we know what the balance is between these two extremes? Being t- too self-reliant and working ourselves up into a frenzy when it comes to our faith versus the o- other side of that spectrum of being faithless, lazy, or just procrastinating when it comes to things like that?
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think we can find ourselves going to one of the two extremes. And sometimes I don't think we as much work up into a frenzy as I think many people who are self-reliant and self-focused and really have a passion can get lost and get going through life on their own apart from God I think that's what we find to be true in a lot of ways and so the frenzy might be I don't know what you know I'm trying to get everything done and everything all my all everything all the strength I can muster and and what's going on it seems like it's not all working like I thought or "I, I can I got this I'll just pull myself up by my bootstraps and we can get going that direction or like you said the more like sitting and going i don't know how to get through this i'm trying to re- rely on god but i just don't know what my next step is and finding procrastinating so what i have found a verse to rely on a couple of verses in proverbs 3 5 and 6 that say trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths or make your path straight. And I think it helps on both of these extremes. For the people who are pretty self-reliant, you can focus on that trusting in the Lord. And maybe asking a question, when is the last time you've gone to God in prayer and said, God, what do you want in my life? God, what are you calling me to? Because if you stop and ask yourself that question and go, ooh, it's been a while, you're probably being very self-reliant, self-focused thinking. You can just muster through, and maybe the frenzy you find yourself in is because you're not turning to God and relying on him. And for those who are more of in a procrastination, lazy, I don't know what to do, it's this trusting in God leaning on not what you can do and not your understanding, but trusting in his plans, his ways. And even when we may not understand his ways or understand his will, we can go to his word, and we can rely on that, and we can trust in that. So that's just a couple ways I've tried to find that balance or find that sweet spot related to, to that. So,
3: yeah. Yeah, as you were preaching that message, a question I found myself kind of asking is, what role, if any, you know, does personality play in helping you avoid those two extremes? Mm.
0: Yeah, I think... Again, that you know, kind of is an interesting piece in all this because I'll be honest, I'm content to be more the first category—self-reliant, self-focused—and I, I can do this. I can muster my way through. And so, when you think about that, there's this reality that it's not God helps those who help themselves. It's about recognizing all that He is, and when you have that personality that you know is just saying, I can, I can get through this to say, no, I'm gonna turn, I'm gonna trust in God. And then I think the biggest piece, if your personality is a part of the struggle, is surrounding yourself with people who can really help you walk through this and just really understand um, how you're gonna continue forward and things like that and recognizing even when things are difficult that God is still at work. So regardless of your personality type and you're bent towards one direction or the other, it's recognizing God's work and God's leading and God's presence in our lives. Because let's be honest, when we find ourselves thinking, if you have the personality, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm gonna keep going at it. It made me think about your message and I'm gonna turn back to your way for just a second here, Matt, You know this, this idea that God will never let me down. There's a piece and a reality that people who think, you know, I, I've done everything that I can. And I thought God would come alongside it. I thought God would help. And it seems like he keeps letting me down. And you kind of address some of these things and what we do in those moments. But on a, in a more, maybe almost tangible, tangible way, people find themselves getting to the point of questioning their faith altogether. So in those moments, when you say, I've done everything I can, and it seems like God keeps letting me down, and I'm even beginning to question my faith, what do you do in that moment? How do you walk through that?
3: I mean, emotionally, I completely understand how someone who's experienced just a series of letdowns may begin to question their faith. I mean, the reality is suffering seems to kind of be randomly and asymmetrically kind of distributed in life. And one thing I've heard and found helpful is simply this. When you want to see the love of God, do not look at your circumstances, but rather look at the cross. There at the cross, we see plainly that God loves us so much that he sent his only son to die in our place so that we can be forgiven of our sins, so that we can be given eternal life, so that we cannot suffer for our sins eternally in hell. The reality is our circumstances, they're always kind of changing. They're always in flux. But God's love for us in sending Christ is an anchor that we can repeatedly look to. For those of you who are in a season of letdowns, I wish I could tell you exactly why you're in that season and how you can get out of it, But regarding discerning the will of God and what he's doing with that particular circumstance, I would simply point you to the passage we looked at a few weeks ago in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. There we read this, the Apostle Paul says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. In other words, in this life, we only see and perceive and observe in part. We see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. In that verse, Paul really emphasizes the fact that we only know in part, we only see in part. But as Tim Kong made clear a few uh, days ago, it's, the reality is not that we don't see anything, that we don't know anything, that we don't perceive anything. It's that we see, know, and perceive in part. It's not that we see nothing or that we know nothing of God's work in our lives. We can have some knowledge of that, but it's in part, and we only see in part.
2: Yeah, last week, I shared this story about uh, God speaking to my wife and I, calling us to move up to the Albany Capital Region. And while God clearly called us up here, um, what I didn't reveal was there was a struggle. There was a struggle for about seven years because we didn't really see the full picture. And the only way to get us through is being anchored to Christ and and being grounded in God's word. And I'll be honest, right? Prior to coming to Grace Fellowship, I experienced more ministry failures than ministry successes. But the reality is that God's timing was perfect. And God revealed his calling fully to us in his right time. You know, as we talked about last week in the last week's sermon, I talked about how God speaks to us. And I think God speaks to us in a lot of different ways. And a lot of us experience uh, different ways how God has guided us in the past. Uh, Would any of you kind of like to share about a time where God guided
0: you? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in quick here and then can throw it around a little bit. Um, you know, I for me, it, it is interesting, as you shared last week and thinking about God speaking, that, you know, it's not been a lot of people experience this yeah, in different ways. For me, it's been more in the big decisions of life. Even, I'll be honest, coming to grace, for, for me, as you shared last week, I could totally resonate because uh, my coming to grace was just watching God open doors, but at some point then saying, Okay, I trust that God has brought us here and gonna walk by faith to carry this through. And it wasn't, yeah, necessarily an audible thing, but it was truly what, as you shared last week, my wife and I just sensing and knowing God's peace and presence and in, in the decision and just really sensing that and just even then having it kind of. Impressed upon us by things from his word and just a peace from the Holy Spirit. Um, So that's, I guess, what it's looked like for more for me in my life. It's these big decisions often are where I really feel like I can sense the peace of God in the decision and then always going back to his word to, you know, really see what that looks like.
3: Yeah, so um, thank you for sharing that story and thank you, Tim, for sharing your story of how you arrived here in the Capital District and on staff at Grace Fellowship. For me, I could probably count on one hand, the amount of times I even suspected God was clearly leading me to make a decision. Uh, Maybe that's because you guys are more spiritual than me. That's probably the best explanation. Um, But for whatever reason, although I certainly pray and ask God for wisdom and guidance, uh, I I usually don't have this overwhelming sense of um, certainty with decision-making on the front end. I mean, daily a habit I have is I try to pray, Lord, lead me by your Holy Spirit today, and then as long as they're small to medium-sized decisions, I just assume that's taking place and I make decisions. For me, when I make decisions and start thinking about the future, it's a lot more, as one person put it, about sufficient faith than clearly hearing from God. I wanna make sure I'm getting counsel, I'm praying, I'm consulting God's word, but I don't always have a peace, I don't always have clarity. In fact, I rarely do. But when I get to the point where I have sufficient faith and I feel comfortable enough, I make that move, I make that decision, and then trust God with the outcome. So I don't feel the sense of clear leading on a daily, weekly, monthly, or even annual basis. Uh, But nonetheless, I think God has still certainly uh, guided and directed my steps.
0: I was going to throw it back to Tim, just real quick. I, I, as we, we've kind of talked about yeah. this, you know, off uh, different times together, we love just spending time together yeah. as a group. You you have experienced this a little differently, maybe on a, you know, in a tangible way, more weekly, daily at times, God's, you know, peace, presence. What does that look like for you? I just love to hear you talk about that a little bit more for everybody else. Yeah,
2: you know, uh, I kind of experienced God in, in so many different ways and how God speaks to me. And, uh, you know, one of the ways that, I feel really connected to God is I love running. And not only do I love running, I love running outdoors. And oftentimes as I'm in God's presence and his nature, you know, God will speak words into my heart. Even actually for this sermon, I was just running, wasn't really thinking about this sermon. And then I I was struggling at the time of trying to tie the sermon together of kind of keeping like a a big theme. And I I was running and the words in my mind just immediately popped up, hearing from God, is more about availability than ability. And that came out of nowhere. And I've have stopped my run, took out my phone and started writing that down and then went back on my run. And uh, that's just kind of one of the ways, you know, I think sometimes even like I'll, at night I'll dream and, and there are some, uh, some encouraging and affirming things that God speaks to me as I'm dreaming. I wake up that day and I'm like, oh, wow, that was crazy. That was totally from God. And things that will uplift me and things that will guide me in decision-making.
1: That's really cool. I don't remember my dreams. So maybe I should talk to you about how to make that happen. Um, but Matt, I think I probably identify a little bit more along what you said, uh, as far as not necessarily knowing, uh, but trusting God with the outcome, uh, in, in the daily decisions that you make, knowing that you're, you're fully following him. Um, and the the result is up to, up to him. I I think as we kind of close this out, uh, as we've been talking about our conversation here today, and as we've been listening, I've been listening to, to your sermons, and you listen to mine, I hope. Um, <laughs> something really did kind of rise to the surface as a theme. And this was not planned on our part, this yeah. was not intentional on our part, uh, but I think it was planned by someone we all know. Um, I think God had it in, in, in each of us to kind of communicate this. I think this is the theme that kind of rose to the surface. The thing that I think maybe is our bottom line today, something that we can walk away from today holding on to, and that's this. God is faithful and at work regardless of our circumstances, Um, whether that's in our parenting, when we're uh, trying to trust that God knows what's going on, even when our circumstances feel like they're out of control. um, In and oh, remind me of your sermon topic? Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> God helps those who help themselves. Yes, yeah.
1: even, even when we feel like at a loss in our faith um, and even when we're trying to be available to God, at the end of the day, we, we have to be faithful in what God calls us to do yeah. and, and then trust God with the outcomes. Trust that we're gonna, we're gonna do what we've been called to do, what, what the Bible calls us to do, and then we trust God with the result. And, and God really is the God of outcomes. Um, we need to make ourselves available, like you talked yeah. about last week, uh, and simply be faithful to what he's calling us to do, and the result is his. Yeah, as you're saying that, I can't help but think of Psalm 127.
3: I just want to read a couple of verses because yeah. I think it encapsulates exactly what you're saying so beautifully and powerfully. Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2, we read the following Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep.
2: Mm. Well, wow. that is a reassuring mind reminder that God is in control. Hey, as we've engaged in this fan fiction sermon series, our hope is that this sermon series has been transformative in your life. Understand, right, that God is in control and we need to be able to trust in God's faithfulness in our lives. Hey, we just want to Close in prayer. And I pray that however God is working in your life, that you continue to trust in him, rely on him and know that he got you. Let's pray. God, we wanna thank you so much that you are the one who's in control. So we pray, we, God, we give you our burdens, our fears, our anxiety. God, we wanna put all of our trust in you. We ask that you walk with us that you guide us, and that we stay grounded in your presence, stay grounded in your word, God. May we be constantly changed and transformed to who you want us to be. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.